Welcome. Today's message comes from Titus chapter number 3. And I'm going to read to you verse number 5. And then we're going to look at the verses that are before that and after that. And we want to see what the Bible clearly teaches concerning the subject of salvation or redemption or uh, how a person obtains eternal life. I think that if you're watching this program today, most likely you're watching it because you have a belief in God, you have a belief in the Bible, and you believe that there is a place called heaven. You also probably believe, maybe you don't, but uh, you're listening to this program. You also believe there's a place called hell. And ultimately, that's you want to make sure that you're in heaven and not in hell. And what does the Bible say about this subject? How does a person obtain eternal life? How does a person um, know that heaven will be their eventual destiny? How does a person escape hell? Well, in Titus chapter 3, in verse number 5, the Bible says, "...not by works of righteousness." which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us. <clears throat> so we see here that the Bible is saying that we are saved not by works of righteousness. It is not the righteous deeds that we do that saves us. Rather, it is God who saves us. Now, oftentimes when I visit people and I'm in their homes, um, people will ask me many questions. And many times people will want to add to faith. They will try to add works to their faith. In other words, people will say, well, you get saved, you get born again by believing and by obeying the commandments. They combine these two together. And I think it's very important as we look at the Scriptures that we always understand what is being said within the context of the passage. So let's look here in chapter 3 and verse 1. We're going to read, read verses 1 through 4. Uh, we're going to look at the context of what God is saying here in verse number 5 when He says, not by works of righteousness. So that we're very clear that it's not faith plus works, but that it is faith without works, as it says here. Let's read in verse number 1. The Bible says, Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers to obey magistrates to be ready to every good work. So we see here in verse number one that the Apostle Paul is writing to a preacher man named Titus, a pastor, and he is telling Titus, listen, you need to put into the mind of your followers that they need to be subject. That means they need to come under the authority of someone. 
you need to teach them to obey. And that you need to teach them to be ready to every good work. So, is Paul teaching Titus that what we do is not important? Certainly not. He is teaching Titus to tell the people that they need to be ready to do good. That they need to be obedient. That they need to be subject. So the Bible in no way, shape, or form here is teaching us that our work is not important. To the contrary, the Bible's teaching us that our work is very important. In verse number 2, it says this, To speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. So here it speaks of the fact that we're not to do evil, that we're not to be known for fighting, brawling, physically uh, violence, that we're not to be, uh, but we're to be the opposite of that, but we're to be gentle and meek unto all men. And then it says in verse 3, For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lust and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful, and hating one another. Now, what is, what is this saying? Is this saying that we no longer sin? Is Paul trying to say that once you believe in God and believe on Jesus Christ, that you no longer sin? Well, certainly not. Because if that is what Paul is teaching, if Paul was teaching that once you are born again, that you could not sin, then he would have no reason to tell us to obey. He would have no reason to tell us to be ready to every good work. Because if we could not sin, that we would automatically be doing good, and he would not need to give us this instruction. So why is he talking about the fact that we were sometimes also foolish and disobedient and serving diverse lusts and pleasures. Well, what he's saying here, he's just told Titus to tell the people to be subject to principalities and powers in magistrates. Well, who are the principalities and powers in the magistrates of this world? Well, for the most part, these people in authority in this world, for the most part, are not believers. If you study the history of the Bible and the history of the world, you will see that the vast majority of the time, those that are in authority are wicked men. They're not men who believe in Jehovah God. They're not men who believe in Jesus Christ. If you look at the uh, times of the disciples and the Apostle Paul, you will see that in Acts chapter 4, they, the disciples began to be persecuted. They were persecuted by the religious, religious leaders of the Jews. And those Jews complained to the Roman magistrates and the Roman authorities that ruled over Israel. 
And these disciples were often beaten and mistreated. Jesus Christ himself was crucified by the Roman authorities. The Jewish believers who rejected Christ as the Messiah complained to their Roman overlords and managed to get Jesus crucified. And the same thing happened in the days of the disciples and in, in Paul's life himself. Paul was arrested at Jerusalem. He was preaching the truth to the Jews. And the Roman soldiers came in and they rescued him. And he appealed unto Caesar. Caesar was the emperor, the ruler of the Roman Empire. And Paul would end up going to Rome to give testimony to Caesar. So you had a, 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 a system called the Roman Empire, the, the government, the power of that day was ruled over, not by religious men, not by men who believed in the God of the Bible, but men that believed in many gods, men that believed in polytheism, the, the, the belief in many gods, the paganism. They worshipped their own emperor, Caesar. And so what Paul is trying to teach the church through Titus is he's saying, he, he's saying, listen, we live in a world where many of our human authorities are not believers. But we need to be careful to be subject to them and to be willing to cooperate with them. That doesn't mean do wrong and do evil. But we should be careful how we submit ourselves to these men. And we need to be gentle amongst these men because we also were at one time like them. We also at one time did not understand the truth. And somebody was gentle with us. And we were saved and we were born again. And now we have an eternal destiny in heaven because somebody was gentle with us. So may we also be gentle with them. This is what the context of this passage is and this is what it's teaching. And it says then in verse number 4, But after that, the kindness and love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared. So he's saying, you're under unbelieving authorities who are wicked people, who reject the truth. But be gentle with them, because you were also one day in their shoes. And someone was gentle with you. And then he says, but after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared. In other words, we were once like them, but we heard the truth of Jesus Christ. The kindness of God appeared to us. And notice what it says. It says, and love of God our Savior, our Savior. A Savior is one who rescues. A Savior is one who delivers someone in danger. We were once on our way to hell. We were once lost in sin. And Jesus Christ came 
in His kindness as our Savior to deliver us. So this is the context that we're reading here. You have wicked powers over you, men who do not believe the truth. You're to be as much as possible to live at peace with them and to obey them and to be subject to them and be kind and gentle to them because you were once also in that situation. But in that situation, the kindness of God appeared to you through the Savior Jesus Christ and you were born again. And then we get verse 5. So I've laid out the context to you and now let's read verse 5 again. Not by works of righteousness. So the kindness of God our Savior appeared unto you not because of your works of righteousness, which you have done, but because of His mercy. So when you were like these unbelievers, when you were like these that rule over you, who do not respect or honor God, God was merciful and kind to you. And now it is your job to be an ambassador of Jesus Christ. And it is your job to manifest that same gentleness and kindness to them so that they also may hear potentially and believe the truth that Jesus saves. So, Yes, the Bible is teaching us here that it is the role of a Christian to obey and to be subject and to, to uh, be ready to every good work. Sure, God wants us to live that kind of life, but that's not how we got saved. We got saved by the gentleness and the mercy of God, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us. It says, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. You say, preacher, what does that mean? The washing of regeneration. Well, uh, yesterday was Saturday. Many of you, I'm sure, uh, maybe Saturday was a wash day for you. Many people in Kamasi, where I live, uh, Saturday is a day where they wash their clothes. And you have dirty clothes, and you wash them to make them clean. And what the Bible is saying here is that we were made clean by regeneration. To regenerate means to produce anew, to make new. We were born again. We were made new in Jesus Christ. So regeneration is speaking to the second birth. The Bible says in John chapter 3, you must be born again. We're born the first time of our mother from the womb. And we're born the second time by the Spirit of God through this process called regeneration. So when a believer sees himself as a sinner, sees himself deserving hell as the penalty for his sin, understands that Jesus Christ came, was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, was crucified on the cross of Calvary, was put in a borrowed tomb, and three days later rose from the dead when he believes that that is 
his salvation, that that is the truth, and he believes on that, he is regenerated. He is born again, and he is made new by the Holy Ghost. So, the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost is the process whereby God gives us a second birth, and we are now the children of God. And in verse number 6 it says, "...which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior." Talking about his mercy. God shed his mercy on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. Again, not because of our works, but because of his mercy. So we, as believers, need to show that same kind of kindness and mercy to those who live around us who don't believe. And in verse number 7 it says, that being justified by His grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. I am an heir of God. We're made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. I, the Bible teaches in Romans chapter number 8, and verse number 17, that I am an heir with God. Christ. I have an inheritance in heaven. Uh, I have a home in heaven. And the Bible says here in um, Titus chapter 3 and verse 7 that that is because of grace. We're justified by His grace, grace and made heirs of eternal life. Hallelujah. Praise God. So, what is this passage teaching? This passage is a lesson to the church, to the pastor of the church, to instruct the church that yes, you go through difficult times. Yes, you have wicked people over you who don't believe in God. But be gentle with them. As much as possible, be ready to every good work and be obedient because at one time you were like them and the mercy of God was shown unto you through the Savior, Jesus Christ. And you, not because of your works of righteousness, were born of God, born again. You were justified by His grace and now you have the hope of eternal life. Listen to me, if you're hopefully been watching and paying attention to me. Listen to me very carefully right here. <clears throat> the Bible is crystal clear about how anyone obtains eternal life. It is through grace and mercy, not through our works of righteousness. We are to work for God because He saved us, not so that He will save us. God does not give grace and mercy to a righteous man because a righteous man, one who has not sinned, one who is not guilty, does not need the grace and mercy to, to be saved. It is the guilty that needs this. The Bible says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You and I are guilty of committing sin. 
And we have come short of God's honor and praise. The word glory means to honor somebody or to give them praise or to boast on them. God cannot honor us because we have obeyed His commands. The opposite is true. We have broken His commands and therefore we have come short of His glory. But God in His mercy and in His grace, even though we're sinners, He has said to us, I will wash you clean in the blood of my Son, Jesus Christ, if you only believe. And the Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. I was 20 years old and someone asked me if I died, would I go to heaven? I told him I believed that I would. I had two friends, they asked the same question to them and they said, we don't know. Those men took a Bible and shared with me about how to go to heaven. I realized that I was wrong, that I was a sinner, that I did not earn heaven. And I realized for the first time in my life the true reason behind the death of Jesus Christ. That He had died for my sin, not His. That He had died not because I was righteous, because I was a sinner. That He had died that I might be saved. And I praise God that today I know for sure that I'm on my way to heaven. Not because I work for God, not because I'm a pastor or preacher, I'm preaching to you. But for one reason, the kindness of God our Savior appeared. And I put my faith in Jesus Christ and He gave me eternal life. I would encourage you if you started watching this program today and you were trusting in your own works, believing in your own righteousness to get you to heaven, thinking that your church attendance would get you to heaven, thinking that your good deeds would save you. I would encourage you to think again and realize that's wrong. God is the Savior and He saves sinners. See yourself as disobedient and see him as the savior and be justified by his grace god wants to give you eternal life will you receive it you must receive it by faith without works if this sermon has been interesting to you if it's provoked your curiosity if you'd like to get more messages like this one you can go to our youtube channel fundamental hour on youtube and you can access the sermons that we've preached on the television in the past. We also have a Podbean, a podcast you can go to and get these messages. And you can connect with us on our social media platforms. We'd be happy to answer your questions. Thank you for tuning in to the Fundamental Hour, and we'll see you next week. God bless.